Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Are Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. Don and unbelievers. Everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined by a very special cast of characters today. My colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris. Everyone, yeah, what's up, everybody? And you know him, you love him, a former Division One tight end, a majestic beast, the big, stinking, wookie, Nicholas Crump. What's going on, everybody? And to break down the roster, who's going to make it, who's not going to make it, we got a Jet super fan, another character in the Jet podcasting world, Phil Tarnacki joining the squad. Phil, what's up, bro? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good, man. Thank you for joining us this week. And guys, before we get into the roster, the only thing that's really gone on in the Jet world since the last time all of us spoke, and I haven't had a chance to ask you about this, Phil, what your thoughts were. It's everything that's been going on with Jamal Adams. Last time we spoke, Mike, Jamal had just gotten angry about his contract, sent all the tweets out. It seems like the last few weeks, the waters have calmed down a little bit. Where, where did you fall on this, Phil, when it came to Jamal and just kind of the way that he handled the contract situation, going public with it, kind of letting his emotions out for the world to see instead of doing it behind closed doors? How'd you feel about that? To be honest, I was a little shocked that he came about it the way that he did. You know, he always struck me as like more of like a team oriented guy. You know, he said he wanted to be a Jet for life. So when he came out and kind of almost put the team on blast for not paying him and, you know, the way he went about it, it kind of kind of shocked me a little bit to see like you know the player that everybody kind of idolizes now he's our big name on the team he's the leader and just it was kind of rough to see the leader go out there and act like that yeah man it just seemed didn't it seem like at least from what I've seen from Jamal Adams in the previous seasons and his three years in the NFL seems so out of character for him to me at least I don't know him personally and I know he can get emotional, say things on Twitter, but, you know, it doesn't belie the type of captain he's been in. What do you think, Mike? Do you think the storm kind of being a little quieter the last few weeks is a good thing, a bad thing? you think anything's going to happen before the season starts? I don't think anything is going to happen. I think that he'll play for the Jets because he has no leverage at all. And uh, he knows that if he misses one single day of camp, they can – Fine him $40,000. He can lose another year of eligibility. The Jets have full control of him, and I think that he overplayed his hand. And, yeah, he wants to leave. That's fine. Um, But he's going to have to play with the Jets. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there that think the Jets should pay him. I think the Jets should pay him before. But since he's put up this antic, you know, we can't, you know— give a baby his bottle whenever the baby wants to cry you don't you don't you don't act like that because if he were we were to give him what he wants then other players are going to scream and cry and then demand so uh it's unfortunate but the gm is going to have to hold fast and um there's a lot of narratives out there that are that are put out and saying oh um you know patrick mahomes got his money and look what the look what the chiefs are doing and and, and look at all these different teams that are paying their guys. You know, what I would say back to them is every situation is different. 
So you don't understand what the New York Jet financial situation is. You do not understand how ownership, how the coaches are looking at the roster right now and what they may be potentially trying to do. So just understand that the general manager said that he wants Jamal Adams to be a Jet for life. So when you start comparing other teams and saying, oh, look at them, look at them, that's not a logical way to look at things because they have a different situation than the New York Jets do. And I understand the Jets mess up everything good that they do, but this really wasn't on the Jets. This was Jamal just being a baby and trying to play his hand to get paid uh, unfairly. And uh, and I'm ta- and when I mean unfairly, I mean hold calling the Jets out and holding them like they did something wrong when most defensive players never get an extension after three years. Usually it's after the fourth year that any people get uh, extensions. So he'll play. What do you think, Wookie? Where do you fall? You think for Jamal, was it a good look, a bad look, the way you went about it? Or do you think it just doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things at all? I think it, I think it was a bad look. I think uh, if he would have done it behind closed doors and had that discussion, he, obviously he felt that way. Not going not gonna to try to knock him for how he feels. Uh, but if he would have done it behind closed doors, um, I, maybe the situation would have played out differently. Obviously, we wouldn't have found out about anything like this. Uh, maybe they could have figured something out. He didn't say anything publicly, and they took care of him a couple of, uh, you know, like next year or something like that. They, hey, listen, uh, we, we want you here. We said that, but let's not put this in the public eye. Let's do this, that, or the other, and um, why don't you keep quiet about it, and we will take care of you when the time comes, which is most likely next year. All you guys are on point. You know, we're not in these players' shoes, and I know when you're in the NFL, you right. want to get get that money when you can get that money, right? They don't have these guaranteed contracts unless, I guess, you are a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but it just seems like, well, you know what the bad look at Jet fans and Phil and all of us that love the Jets is when you see him in a video and some dude's like, come to the Cowboys, he's like, I'm trying, man. You know, you, it's kind of like, yeah. it's like seeing, it's like if you saw a video of your girl or something, something was doing that. You know, you'd be like, what? <laughs> Jamal, of all the people that you would ever think would do that, you're not the guy. You know, so I don't know, that, that was disappointing. And the other thing I wanted to mention, and we're going to get into this roster in a second, guys. I read on ESPN this week, ESPN ranked the Jets. And I want to know where you guys came in on this. Now, I'm not pretending like I know every single team in the NFL's roster, guys, top to bottom, because I don't. We all know the Jets pretty well. Jets were ranked 30th. Out of 32 teams, when it comes to talents on the squad, um, Joe D hasn't even got a full year under his belt yet. But I, when I saw us rank like right at the bottom of the league, still with some of the offensive line improvements we made, I was a little disappointed. I know when it comes to talent on the offense, guys, we didn't add that many weapons and we just drafted Mims. But 30th, when you have an off, when you have a defense that was as good as ours last year, we got Mosley coming back. Um, I think we made some good draft picks we had in the draft this year. I don't know. Did that seem? Does that seem like? Does that seem like where we're at, guys? Is that how? Is that the talent level of the Jets? Are we one of the least talented teams in the league going into 2020? Uh, I'll take that. I think that the Jets brand is what the media will always use to call. Hey, look at those those guys. They're trash. Make fun of them. Beat them up. We're easy target. Um, and it's easy to be like, yeah, they're the 30th team. Whatever. Um, but the truth is, is that there were, we had more people injured than any other team in the league last year. The defense was very good to your point, despite the injuries, we're getting a lot of these guys back. I think that this is just like how you see people saying that Josh Allen is going to be an MVP candidate. 
and how he's the fifth or sixth ranked quarterback on some people's boards. It's a false oh narrative. It's a false narrative. God, it's heaven. people. It's it's a bunch of analysts where you know people have this. They're saying this one thing and they're all agreeing and whatever and they have their opinions. But to say that we're the thirtieth ranked team for with talent wise, with guys like Jamal Adams, with guys like C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley's like one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Jamal Adams is the best safety in the NFL. Okay, you got guys like like uh, McGovern. Uh, I mean, we actually have guys now even on the offensive like McGovern's an actual player. That's an yeah. actual guy that can block people. It's like, what did, what do you think, Phil? Before we break, go through the roster, where do you think we're coming in? Is that where you think we're after this? I know, like we said, Douglas hasn't had too much time to kind of get his fingerprints on here. I mean, even being unbiased, even being a Jets fan, I I still take it as kind of disrespectful. I think Mike hit the nail on the head, where it's kind of just the persona that the Jets have. Everybody, you know, everybody likes to pick on the Jets, make fun of the Jets. You know, we got the butt fumble and Darnold seeing ghosts and all that. So that's just. <laughs> That's the persona that when people look at the Jets, they think of the Jets as a laughing stock. But even not being a Jets fan, I still think the Jets have a solid defense. Like you said, mostly is hands down one of the best linebackers in the league. Jamal Adams, the best safety in the league. And they did make solid, solid moves on the offensive line. And I think we're going to shock a lot of people this year. So I think I, I think take that ranking at number 30 and use it as motivation. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. And let's go through it, guys. Let's break down the roster. Um, a little early in the year, guys. We're going to go through, man, see what we think for some of the future predictions of the roster. Who's going to make it? Who might be on the cutting room floor going into 2020? Let's go. The situation uh, kind of got heavy on me. All right, Jets 2020, guys. A lot of decisions to be made we don't know how it's going to all work out with the preseason this is a very different year than other years so i don't even know how much even going to be a preseason when it comes to games so the decisions the coaches are going to have to be uh, going to have to make with some of these roster cuts a lot of those are going to be made in practices guys that none of us are going to see all right and we want to go through some of these uh some of these uh groups here on offense we'll start off on offense mike if you want with the running back group we know obviously Le'Veon bell going into this year i think like we said many times last year, he had the least amount of time of any running back in the league before he got contact last year. The line was so pathetic. I think with just an average line next year, he's going to be a lot better. Um, obviously, right, if he just gets adequate blocking, I think he can at least be average. Because last year, Le'Veon's Bell, Le'Veon Bell's yards per carry was the lowest of any Jet running back ever. Right. And you would wow. never, you never think that's a stat, right? Um, but it is. And I, I know, I, guys, what I saw last year. Um, as at least when he got a few holes, when he had just a regular amount of time to run, he made things happen. But most of the time, people were in the backfield blowing him up the whole time. And Mike, what do you think when it comes to this running back group? Um, I know we added Frank Gore. We drafted a running back. Who do you think is going to make the team? Who do you think is going to not make the team at this early prediction? All right. So I've, I've gone through the roster and I've, I've picked who I think is going to start, who I think is going to make it. So some of the people that I'm saying that are going to get cut. I had to make decisions, right, on who I thought, and we'll just see if everybody, you know, what uh, Keith and, and, and Phil and, and Wookie, if they agree with my picks. So I got Bell, obviously, as the starter. I'm a little bit worried if that Gase is going to uh, start giving Frank Gore, like, a ton of carries. I don't know why I could just see that happening. And um, so, but I have Bell as the starter. I've got Gore as his backup with LaMichael P. Ryan. Uh, our our uh, our pick in the draft, our fourth uh, or what was he in the third round? Yeah, yeah. third round yep. pick. Uh, um, that I we I have him going as well, at making the team as well. 
Um, I think the rest of these guys are all going to get cut. I think Trenton Cannon is going to get cut. Kenneth Dixon's going to get cut. Jalen Moore is going to get cut. Josh Adams is the only one potentially I could see make it because I think that Joe Douglas really liked Adams uh, when he was on the Eagles. But what, what's your thoughts? Oh, well, you know what, dude? I think that when it comes to the, the roster cuts for the running back, it's going to be tough because a lot of those a lot of those guys after the first three people you mentioned, Mike, after Gore, after Bell, after P. Ryan, they're kind of the same level. The only difference with Cannon is that he does have some special teams value. All the uh, Kenneth Dixon's not going to really play special teams. Josh Adams, he kind of he was a he's a big running back. I got some burn with the Eagles and actually wasn't that bad. Um, so he's someone that might might they might keep Mike just because of his size. But I could see Trenton Canny making the team. But we know three spots are carved out. But I yeah. don't see them. I don't see them only going with three running backs. That's the only thing, Mike. And as we go through the roster, there might be different cuts. But I think Trenton Cannon has a decent chance of making the squad um, this year. But the, the, the interesting thing, like I said, was we're not going to see any preseason, I don't think. So right. it's going to be it's gonna, just going to be a mystery to all of us. So what do you right. think? We're coming here with the running backs coming into 2020, Phil. What do you think? Obviously, we know three guys are going to make it. Do you think Trenton Cannon can hang on? Do you think Dixon has anything left in the gas tank? Honestly, I think for sure more and i don't and i think dixon will probably get cut i do agree with i think they might keep josh adams around just based on his relationship with joe douglas but then also like you said no one's going to see how this guy performs if there's no preseason games right. so if they base it off of that it's either going to be it's who joe douglas likes with josh adams or it's going to be like you said um trenton cannon based off of his special teams ability yeah, and the reason why I feel like Trenton Cannon's special teams ability um, is not as pronounced as it used to be is because Vincent Smith also kicks gets punt returns. So does um, a Berrios, Braxton Berrios. So you got two other guys that can do what Trenton Cannon does and probably do it better. So that's why I'm kind of like they may cut him, but but who knows? You know, Trenton Cannon, Josh Adams. Definitely there. And by the way, LaMichael P. Ryan was a fourth-round pick. That was my bad. I apologize for that. Fourth-round yeah. pick. And as we get to the end of uh, the summer here, <laughs> some of these some of these guys, too, if there's any injuries, there's still dudes who teams might add, some veteran running backs like Lamar Miller's out there, McCoy's out there. I guess we already have Gore, though. We already have our old veteran running back. Can't add, we can't add another one. What do you think, Wookie? I know you traded in fantasy football, Le'Veon Bellaway, so you don't really care too much about him anymore, do you? No, it wasn't It, it wasn't that. Like I think I think he's going to have a solid year. Um, I like P. Ryan. I think he'll make the, he'll make the squad, obviously. Uh, Gore. 76 years old, still going strong. He'll make the roster. Uh, I, I don't know much about the other guys like you do. I, I would hope either Cannon because he he provides a little bit more on the special teams would get a shot, or Adams just because he's a Notre Dame guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like like you said, Keith, he did he did play pretty well uh, with Philly when he got the chance there. So. Um, I could see those guys making the squad as well. Yeah, I think Frank Gore's mission is to play on every single team before he retires, and he's on his way. Yep. Uh, he's going through yep. the AFC East now. He's touring the AFC East right now. Guys, getting into the wide receiver, this is this is where, to me, it's going to be very interesting what we do, Mike. Because now that is a position where we obviously drafted Denzel Mims. Uh, obviously, we have Rashad Perryman. We brought him as a free agent. We already have Jameson Crowder in-house. But after that, and this is one of those position groups that – people do look at the Jets as having one of the least talented groups in the league is, is on paper at least the wide receiver group because Perryman did do it for a short span last year there with Tampa Bay but prior to that in his career 
hadn't done much. So you don't know if that was the real thing or if that was Fugazi or if, you know, if he's really going to be a good player. Mims hasn't played a game yet. Jury's still out. Crowder's great, but Crowder's a slot receiver. So if Crowder, if Crowder on paper is your most talented, accomplished receiver, you probably don't have the best wide receiver group. But after that is where it gets interesting, Mike. And there's a lot of guys here. Um, Vincent Smith and Dotson, uh, Bellamy, we still had, Cager, who we had was an undrafted free agent. There's a ton of dudes here. And not being able to see what they do in the preseason, whoever does make it, we're just going to have to take the coach's word for it, right? Because we probably won't have a lot of data. But, Mike, I see one interesting guy when I'm looking through your notes here. Now, we know Perryman, we know Mims is going to make it, we know Crowder's going to make it, and we can get into those guys in a minute. But you don't see in the future Cager making the squad, the undrafted free agent, one of the bigger undrafted free agents we signed. You don't think he's going to make the cut? No, I don't really think so. I mean, his production in college was a bit shaky. I mean, he did have some 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 good explosive plays, but if you look overall, I just don't think I don't see him making the team. I mean, we're going to we have so many needs as we go through the list, you'll see. I mean, it's like you'll have to figure out who you're going to cut for Cager. Um and so uh when I don't have him, I've got Josh Bellamy, shouldn't have made the team last year. Malone, uh, Jehu, Quincy, obviously going to be on the pup. And uh, George Campbell, I don't got him making it either. Jeff Smith not making it. I got Berrios and Doxon and, and Vincent Smith making it along with Denzel, Crowder, and Perriman. And this group to me, uh, Phil, I would love to hear your opinion on this, but I may be one of the few Jet fans that feel this way, but I feel that this receiving core is very, very underrated because they don't know what the rookie is. Rashard Perriman is looked at as a complete scrub by most people. <laughs> Jamison Crowder is a decent slot, but he's oh, not oh, even. Oh. They don't even think Jamis really isn't that great. But here's the thing. If Sam Darnold throws for 4,000 yards this season, which I think he's going to, someone's got to catch the ball. So that means yeah. somebody on this squad is way underrated. And I think my boy Denzel and Rashard are going to be much, much better and what people think. And I also want you guys to watch out for Braxton Berrios because I've been hearing that the coaching staff really, really likes Berrios and what he's going to be able to do within this offense. Um, so we'll see what happens. But that's how I see the receiving core right now. Uh, uh, six guys making it. And um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts, Phil? Yeah, I think you pretty much nailed it there. Um, I think, like you said, Perriman is super underrated, but he did have a good year last year so if he can come in and kind of just assume that role because you know, like you said you know Crowder is our vet but he is only a slot receiver so if Perriman can kind of come in and take that number one role with Mims on the opposite side you know Mims had a solid college career so I feel like like you said extremely underrated but if Sam Darnold throws for 4,000 yards somebody on that squad is catching exactly. a good majority of that and exactly Honestly, I like keeping Braxton Berrios, too, because although he's kind of more like a slot receiver like Crowder as well, he's still dangerous in the pass game. He's good on special teams. Plus, we know New England just lives and breathes quality white wide receivers. So, I mean, there's no reason to not. I've been waiting for him to be that Welker for us or that Edelman or that Corbett yeah. to turn into that. And we saw, remember that one catch he had last year, a 69-yard touchdown? Maybe he will be a weapon for us this year. It's one of those deals, guys, where the only reason it's hard for me to look at these dudes, right, and say, hey, well, yeah, we're all saying, well, maybe this guy will work out. Maybe that guy will work out. You know why it's hard for me to say that is because of Gase. And because I just think he's just 
I, I just, I've always, and I, I've thought this, when your claims to fame is that, you know, you helped Peyton Manning one year, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, you know, or, oh, J- Jay Cutler for one year didn't throw 25 interceptions. And besides that, your offense has been the worst in the league. It makes me think, like, we might have guys that if we had a really smart coaching staff or you had, like, you know, God forbid we say the Patriots, but some just some creative offensive minds that actually know what they're doing, maybe a Barrios could be a tremendous weapon, you know? Yeah. But Gase just makes me – it just – it's so disconcerting sometimes when I look at the offensive pieces and you go, well, you know, some teams make a lot with not that much. You know, they were able to get the job done, but I don't feel like we have the leadership or the offensive minds in the room to do that. Like, we all look at Barry Russell, like, look how fast he is. You look like he should be getting open, and then you look and you're like, he really didn't get that much playing time left. You, me, and Wookie play in a fantasy football league that is a rookie-only draft, and Wookie made a comment about a month ago and said, yeah, I hope I've got the 30th pick in the draft. He's in the <laughs> second round. That's like scrub. That's like scrub. Scrub. That's like, in our league, that's like scrub. Like, you like you, you may not even make the team. And he's like, yeah, hopefully Mims is there. I almost, let me tell you something. I almost threw up. Here we go. This mother, that he said that BS to me, Mims, Ernie. He's just like the rest of the nation. They don't think anything about Denzel. Let me tell you something about fantasy. It's about opportunity. Denzel is the number one receiver as a rookie. And he is a go-getter. He's a guy who jumps in the air. You go get him at 30, Whoop. You try to go get him. He ain't going to be nowhere. What do you have to say to that, Wookie? That was a pretty strong indictment of Mike thrown right into your lap. Do you have anything to say? I mean, hey, he's, he's definitely entitled to his opinion, first of all. Uh, secondly, <laughs> I was I was way off on that, obviously. Thirdly, let's see how things shake out, Mike. Oh, he, what he's saying to you is he's going to draft Mims much higher just to spite oh, you, I know, which I like, I <laughs> which I enjoy. Now, but getting back on track, when it comes to the receivers, Mike, We'll see what happens with Cager. I think another undrafted free agent that might have a better chance of making the squad, and I know he's not someone that has a lot of hype, but coming out of high school he did was George Campbell. But his last year at West Virginia, three years at Florida State, couldn't really get on the field that much. Last year at West Virginia, he did average 25 yards of reception, seven touchdowns. Like what I'm saying basically is like since we don't have on paper a lot of talent, a guy like that with that size – that could be someone who makes a squad, Mike. You know, over um, over a Dotson. Who Dotson might make. I know he has some he has some NFL experience already, but I haven't seen him flash to seem like he's a real difference maker. And what we need for Sam is guys. I know maybe that's why we drafted Mims. But this, if, if, if anybody that you think like almost that, that year when when we looked, we're like, who's this Robbie Anderson guy? Um, out of nowhere, we just need to take a chance on some of these dudes. You know, and I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I think Bellamy will probably get caught, Mike. A noon will. We know what's going to happen with him. But yeah. I think you're you're the guys that you think are making it. Vincent Smith, I think, because of special teams, we know he's going to make it, and that's yeah. probably why uh, your boy Cannon's going to be hit the hit, hit the that's floor what there. That's what yeah, I'm more thinking. than likely. But I, I don't know, man. I think they could do better than people are giving them credit for it. But we're going to need a really sound offensive game plan, and hopefully, we're going to have that this year when it comes to Gates. I don't have all the faith in the world in him. But with a better offensive line, Sam will have more time. So we know that the stretch last year, down the stretch, last uh, eight games of the year, I think what was Sam? He was the seventh or eighth ranked or ninth ranked QB in the league. So, I mean, that's encouraging. Wasn't against the best teams in the world, but guess what? That's who they played. And prior to that, they were playing bad teams and getting smoked. So you can't win with the Junior Jet fan. You beat the bad teams. No one gives you any credit. 
when you get smashed by the bad teams, like we were saying, like uh, Phil was saying earlier, how people kind of poke fun of the Jets sometimes. You can't win when you're a Jet. Yeah, no, no, no. I was agreeing with you. And I'm, by the way, I like your your pick, George Campbell over Josh Doxson. That could happen. I agree yeah, with you. Good. That but, could uh, happen. That, that's got to take a flyer off. Sure. Look at his 40 time, everything coming out of high school. Some of these guys don't work out. Receivers especially. There's so many. Some of these college teams have 20 receivers, you know? You go to Alabama, they have, they have 11, 12 guys on the sideline that play receiver, you know? So it's hard sometimes to get that burn. But, Mike, let's let's hold on the offensive line for a sec. Let's go over to the defense real quick. Just go through, and I want to just talk about the cornerback situation for us because we, we did make some very – I think some shrewd moves. We made one in the draft, taking Bryce Hall. And even though I know where we picked him in the draft wasn't the highest, I think it was the fifth round there, um, I think value-wise, that was a tremendous pick. And I do think, even though he was drafted fifth round, and we have some other guys, maybe some more name value ahead of him, I think Hall definitely is going to make the squad. I think Brian Poole... Brian Poole, I mean, he has a good contract. He's going to make the squad. But you never know, Mike. We had... Who's that clown we drafted from Florida a couple years ago? It was a third-round pick, and we cut him for... Uh, polite. Ja'Kai yeah. Polite. So you, yeah. you, you never know. And then Bryce Hall completely different human being character-wise. I mean, they're not comparable people. Um, he's a captain. He was a tremendous player. He was, you know, top recruit the whole nine. But the secondary is going to be real interesting because on paper last year, guys, nobody after Jamal Adams, maybe they could name Marcus May, but besides that, no one could tell you single player in the Jets secondary. Any yeah. fan in the NFL, I didn't know last year if they were just overachieving or what it was because the defense was so good. I know against the run, we were number one. Teams could pass the ball on us. But you would think last year on paper coming into a lot of those games, I'm like, yo, we don't have anyone out there. You know, like, we have all these names. Like, Mollett was out there a lot and different guys that no one really knows. But I thought they played pretty good. We picked up Quincy Wilson, which is a good pickup, Mike. We know Basson Austin is healthy last year. PFF had him rated out as one of the best corners in the league for his little small mini sample size, which is tremendous. But when it comes to corner, I think it's a lot of really interesting guys to look at. And I, I don't know. I know you don't think Mollett's going to make it, Mike. But I think he's someone the Jets will probably hold on to because he's actually in Greg Williams' system last year was great for what you asked him to do. Played really well. But what do you think, Mike? Who do you got getting cut? You know, besides Mims, Bryce Hall was my favorite pick in the entire draft. And forget making the team. I got him starting week one, baby. I got Bryce Hall and Pierre Desir as our starting cornerbacks with okay. Bless on with Bless on as the main backup. I, that's what I that's what I see. I mean, after when you look at what Bryce Hall was able to do as a junior, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the country. He would have been a first round pick. This guy. He has tremendous closing speed. He has physical tools to play the cornerback spot. He's not like a a, a, a Reedus type. But he's more of, you know, he's he's a physical a physical corner, and uh, the problem with his biggest weakness is that uh, his his top end speed is not the greatest. So if he gets burnt, like it's hard for him to really really catch up. But he could stay on you, and I like Bryce Hall a lot, Pierre Desir, and then uh, looking at Quincy Wilson, I got him making the team, bless on, and I got Lamar Jackson also, who was an undrafted free agent making the team, and them cutting Arthur Merlet. Arthur Merlet. He might make it over Lamar, I understand, but uh, Arthur Marlette's like a bit old and he never really showed anything that was that special. I mean, he he might make it. We'll see what happens. But uh, uh, I, I, those are the cornerbacks that I have. And I think this is one of our most improved groups going mm. into the 2020 season, the, cor- the secondary. I think Pierre Desir was a phenomenal pickup from uh, – um, our general manager, and I think that he is going to be a solid starter for us going into 2020. Yeah, what do you think, Phil? Cornerbacks this year, secondary as a whole, you think we're in good shape going into 2020? 
Yeah, I got to agree with uh, I definitely think uh, the Pierre Desir pickup was definitely a big deal for us. You know, you know, the Jets were notorious a while ago because we had, you know, the whole Revis Cromartie combination. So we've been trying to get back to those type of days where we had that solid one two combo in the, you know, at the cornerback position. But like you said, Bryce Hall was probably one of the biggest steals of the draft for the Jets. So I definitely like that pick for sure. Um, the only thing I will I will agree, I think just because of how he was last year, I think Mallette will make the team over Lamar Jackson. Mm. But mm. other than that, I'm I'm with you on uh, on everybody else here. Okay. Yeah, man, and Hall, and you might right. be right, Mike, because I mean, Hall was he wasn't drafted very high. Guys in the fifth round get cut all the time. But two years ago, he was second team All American. He was first team All ACC. And before last year started, he was projected to go you know, in the first round of the draft. So we'll see what happens with that. That might have been a steal, like you said. And we also added to the to the secondary um, back there in safety, Ashton Davis, who could do everything. Uh, he's a guy who plays very similar. He's not, not Jamal Adams, but he's a guy that plays that way, where he's all over the field, can make the tackles. He can uh, he'd probably cover better than Jamal Adams, though, because he actually played a lot of corner in college, too. Another big addition to the secondary. And that's, that's one position. that's one position group I think we're pretty good at. And surprisingly enough, even even last year, we actually played pretty good. When we get to the linebackers here, Mike, a ton of guys here are ABG favorites. You do have making the squad, making the cut. Burgess, you know Neville Hewitt. We've been talking oh, about Hewitt. We've been talking about Neville since day one. That's our no. boy right there. Blake Cashman, he's going to be healthy this year. You know he's going to make the squad. He played good last year when he was healthy. Um, you know, a Basham, we'll see what happens with him. But I'm really interested to see if Mosley... And Williamson, we have them both out there this year, healthy the whole season. We we didn't get that for a single game last year because Adam Gase wanted to play every Williamson for some reason in a preseason game. He didn't need to be in there. He got hurt. We all know what happened. More on Adam Gase. But <laughs> CJ uh, CJ Mosley, even the first uh, the first half of that game versus the Bills, man, he was tremendous. All we got is this little snippet of him. But I don't remember a linebacker tearing it up like that for the Jets in a long time. Maybe like we had Bart Scott or someone just causing havoc all around the field. So his what we got, if we have Mosley and we have Williamson out there, Frankie Louvu, we know as the year went on, Frankie Louvu was good. So, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of different places that the Jets have improved upon, but one place they didn't really have to make any draft picks or do anything is linebacker because all they needed was guys just to be healthy. And you have two huge additions from last year, Mike. Yeah, um, this... This group here, um, actually, I think is one of our most uh, stacked positions, our inside linebacker, just like safety. And by the way, the other starter I had was Brian Poole on secondary. I didn't want to leave him out, uh, ABG fans. So Brian Poole, obviously, starting in slot corner. Um, but linebackers, going back to linebackers, Mosley and Avery Williamson starters, right? Now, here's where it gets interesting. I think Burgess, Neville Hewitt will make the team. I think on Wasar, Patrick, the guy from Baltimore, he'll make the team. When I look, obviously Jordan Jenkins is going to start. The right side, right now, I'm looking at Frankie Luvu because I see Frankie Luvu as the best edge guy on the right side, better than Harvey Langley, better than Ryan, Ryan Wyatt. But here is the wild card, Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff, who is an undrafted rookie, has the maybe the best edge game of any of these guys. And if he makes the team, a guy like, I hate to say it, a guy like uh, Terrell Basham or Frankie Louvu could get cut. And don't be surprised that Bryce Huff makes it. I haven't seen enough to say it. Right now I got Bryce Huff getting cut along with Ahmad Gooden and and, and, and Bellio and, and Ryan Ray Wyatt and all them. But Bryce Huff could make the team. And if he does, 
you're going to see a Basham or a Luvu uh, potentially get cut. Yeah, he in college he was a beast at Memphis though. He got he got changed his position when he was a senior, and then he really took off. So he might be someone that is kind of one of those rushing linebackers, but didn't yep. really get a chance to play that. So he was at the end of his college career. So maybe he blooms late, which would be tremendous for us because I cannot even remember since John Abraham we had anybody coming off the edge that could possibly get to the quarterback. Phil, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I was at the first game last season and watching C.J. Mosley in that first half. He had he had the pick six. He had the fumble recovery, and for a second there, you thought, all right, we got our guy again. We got this guy. We needed this guy. And then, you know, typical Jet fashion, second half, he went down, didn't return to the game. Huge blow. I feel like that kind of changed the whole momentum of the game. We ended up losing, I think, 17-16 that game. And uh, so I'm, I'm definitely excited to have him back. You know, being from the Baltimore area, there's a lot of Ravens around here. So I know um, they've always been high on C.J. Mosley. I've seen him play before, just being from this area. So I'm excited to have him back and uh, Williamson back as well and have them on the same field at the same time. Yeah, Mike always said that too when the, when C.J. Mosley went down last year in the game. It's like so they gave up 17 points in the second half and just they just seemed like they were bewildered because he is like a quarterback on the field playing defense. He knows every play. He's calling all the schemes, calling all the checks and everything. So very valuable guy. Stoked to have him yeah. on the Phil, and that was one of the most angriest times of last season for me because I always yeah. felt that the Jets were better than the freaking Bills, okay? Oh, yeah. Because the, no, I just felt that in my heart, you know what I'm saying? And they were winning, and I didn't even know my boy had mono in the game, you know? Then CJ goes out, gets the worst cut, you know, his, his groin snapped. He's yeah. out for, for decades, you know what I'm saying? But we didn't even know how severe it was. And then this scrub brings them back in the game the bills win and now they're super bowl favorites going into 2020 and i'm like you're a bunch of scrubs <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah we are not we are Man. not we're not necessarily objective when we talk about buffalo but you know it is what it is i'm they with you their, they, they tried their best up there getting over to the defensive line guys now one guy to me that was a little bit of a disappointment last year was quinnan um, I think for most of us, we thought maybe he'd have more impact on just at least from what we heard when he got drafted and the type of player he was in college, a little bit more of an impact on a weekly basis. He had some spurts there where he played well. And the defensive line as a whole, as we know, they were tremendous against the rush. There wasn't many teams better on um, the Jets were absolutely tremendous against the rush. Shepard improved as the year went on. Fatu Kasi improved as the year went on. Kyle Phillips filled in for Leonard Williams as if Leonard Williams just like literally took over and played even a little bit better than Leonard Williams was playing. We lost him, didn't skip a beat. That's what I was, you know, it's so funny, guys. When so many people talk about that trade, and Wookie, we're not trying to pile on. We know you're a giant. Oh, no, fan. of course not. We, we, know it was, we know it was the worst trade. We just robbed you guys. And we, we got, And then when you guys franchise tagged him, we got another pick, so it's the best. Um, no, that was great. But, but the thing is, everyone said what I thought was interesting is that Leonard Williams is so great at stopping the run, and that's where he makes his impact on the Jets. He's one of those. You ended up hearing some of the similar shtick for him that you heard with Sheldon Richardson, which is, don't worry about the fact that he doesn't have any stats. He makes these huge impacts on the game. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe my mind isn't finessed enough in watching football to notice. I'll give them that, right? Then we remove Leonard Williams from the equation, and the Jets are number one against the rush last year. So what impact was he having on the Jets? That's what I have to ask these people. McClendon's going to make the squad. We know Mike. Big old yeah. Henry Anderson is going to make the squad. Yeah. Jabari Zuniga. What do you Zuniga. guys think? 
What do you think? I, I, I mean, I only saw him play a couple times, show some speed, but do you think finally, Mike, we might have someone that could so, make a difference rushing from the edge? So, um, Nick, I know you, yeah. you're, you know football pretty well. So, Jabari Zuniga, do you know who he reminds me of after I was watching tape and seeing his game? He reminds me of a Jadavion Clowney, a poor man's Jadavion Clowney. Not bend the bend radius we talk about. Oh, Does not bad. Doesn't have that bend, that edge, but he's very good at stopping the run and plugging the holes. He has great vertical power, right? He can get through. What does is, what is Jadavion do really well? He can attack the line, hit the gaps, stop the running backs, and sometimes get in there and cause destruction within the D-line. Jabari Zuniga is like that. That's his game. And I nice. think, I think a guy like that Mixed with a Quinnen, Mr. Grit. What do we call him? Gray. What do we call him? Oh no! Oh, Doctor Evil. Because Doctor Evil. Yeah. The suit, right. the suit he had on it. That he literally had Doctor <laughs> Evil's suit on at the draft. <laughs> which was tremendous. Well, I, I don't know. If you, I don't know if you guys have seen Doctor Evil lately, but his braces are off, son. He's monstrous. Nice. He's okay. a monster. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think him and a Zuniga on the line with Fadukasi, and then we got the Canadian Thanos, Nathan Shepard. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Now, before, before I ask Phil about the defensive line, Wookie, now, is it true or not true, when you were a Maris Red Fox, your Ben Radius is one of the strongest in the country? <laughs> oh, oh, man, I, I tell you right now. I, I will need to tell you, my Ben Radius was up there. All right, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I'm talking flexible, flexible bend radius, hard, very hard angle, like a like a like a sharp jaw type of guy, but like in the bend radius of the knee. Yeah. Your your bend radius was water cooler talk between all the cheerleaders I heard back in the day. Oh, it was moving on. Father. Defensive line, 2020. What are you feeling, Phil? You, I mean, last year we killed it with guys that are not necessarily superstars in the NFL to non-Jet fans, you know? And this year, we got a whole bunch of them coming back, and we added Zuniga, so you got to be feeling good about it, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, a lot of guys stepped up last year and really got to prove themselves. I mean, especially, obviously, Henry Anderson. He really came to the surface and played big time for us last year. So, you know, combination of him, and I've always loved, I've always been a big Steve McClendon guy. He, you know, solid on the line, and then, uh, my only worry is, I got to say, I am a little worried. Quentin Williams, I would say he has a lot to prove this year. I feel like he was kind of a letdown last year, in my book at least. So I'd like to see him have a breakout year for sure. Yeah, yeah Q, he, Q was disappointing last year, man, for sure. I mean, he had some bur- he had some bursts, Mike, in the middle of the year, but game to game. That happens with rookies a lot. I didn't mean to cut you off, Mike, but with, with the position he plays, game to game, I just didn't see him making an impact, you know, every single week, like what we want. Yeah, and I think it was the way Greg Williams was utilizing him because of the losses of C.J. Mosley and and such fellas. He had to come in there and play stunts and hit the gaps and wasn't able to really attack the way he should. But let me just say, Henry Anderson, I thought, the year before had a tremendous season. Last year, I thought after he got that contract, he didn't really live up to that. He did have some good plays, but I'm really hoping that we get the sack totals that we got from two years ago, Darnold's rookie season, than from what the sack totals we got from Henry Anderson last season. Because Henry Anderson, I think, is a really good player. And I think that Henry Anderson, McClendon, and Williams are a good top three. 
having your Shepherds and Fatukasi and Phillips and then Zuniga on that D-line. I love our D-line. And by the way, when they say that we're the 30th team in the NFL, we have one of the best defensive lines in the league. We got the best safety combination in the league. We've got the best middle linebacking combination in the league. So you could take your 30 and go shove it. Wow. Like Mike usually is a nice, like normal. It. Mike is usually a nice Christian man. But today, he's just letting it fly, guys. He's angry. He doesn't want to see that 30. And, you know, me and Mike were talking about it. I was a little surprised about that, too, just because last year, the defense was seventh in the league. So he can't be that big. He can't be a bunch of bums out there. Unless Greg Williams is the greatest coach in the history of football. And he should obviously be the head coach if we're that bad and we were that good on defense. But I digress, guys. Now, one position group that last year I thought if we had full force would have been one of the better ones in the league is our tight end group because Ryan Griffin in the red zone is a beast. That dude is a horse. We know if you get him the ball, he could drag a few dudes three yards in the end zone because last year he was just clobbering people. He ended up getting concussion, was hurt for a little bit. But what I was really excited about coming into last year was seeing the progression of Chris Herndon because as his, as his rookie year there went on, he got better and better. He finished the year off really strong. I thought, I, I'm coming into last year, I was so excited to see him as a weapon. We didn't get a chance to have the early injury, came back, got hurt right away again. So coming into this year, Mike, Griffin, Herndon, that's very strong right there. But you don't think a pick from last season, blocking tight end, they surprisingly took in the fourth round on the previous season. Wesco is going to even make the squadron, do you? Trevor Wesco, what is he? fullback I mean yeah he blocks well but I mean like I said at the end of this if you want to find somebody to cut to get him on the team be my guess I don't see anybody on here that I, I mean who else are we gonna take I mean we could cut Lulu you know what I'm saying who else what, what, what who else you want to cut I don't know Lamar Jackson I guess but I feel like we've got Ryan Griffin we've got Herndon and I think that'll be enough at tight end. I mean, I guess you can get Trayvon in there for blocking, but... But you know why he became expendable, dude? Because in the offseason this year, Joe Douglas didn't just get us starting offensive linemen, or at least for our team, guys, they're going to start. Exactly. He grabbed a whole bunch of different offensive linemen that are flexibility that instead of us bringing in a Wesco, if you put one of those big packages in and you're at the two-yard line, right, and you exactly. want to just run an off-tackle with Bell, you put some monster in. You put Cameron Clark in or one of these guys. That's exactly. why he might also have become expendable. But coming into this year, 2020, I think we're pretty good at tight end. I don't know. I mean, Chris Herndon, I, like I said, man, I was stoked for him last year. Griffin was pretty good last year. What do you think, Phil? You like our little tight end group? Do you think we're only going to keep the two tight ends? Yeah, I got to say I'm with it on that. I, I think if they were to just keep Hernan and Griffin, I think we would get by just fine just because okay. I feel like Hernan is, a is, you know, Darnold, I think, in the red zone is definitely going to heavily favor the tight ends. You could just tell by the way yeah. uh, the targets that Ryan Griffin got towards the end yep. of the season last year. So I'm definitely excited to see, you know, Hernan back being, you know, at full health, being on the field, being a big target for Darnold going forward. Plus, Ryan Griffin obviously showed last year what he can do as well. Yep. Yeah, I like that dude. He's a, he's a, he's a big old hoss out there. Uh huh. I, I totally agree with you, Phil. I, 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 he loves Sam. Loves his tight ends. You could see it. He loves them. And if there, can you imagine Herndon and Griff? Hopefully, and this is the problem, like Keith said with Gase. Like I, there could be so many different packages that you could run and get so creative with having like a Griffin and a Herndon and a Bell, you know, and have those three and have Sam be able to throw to one of them. But I just, 
I just don't know if I believe that Gase would do that. But to your point, Sam loves his tight ends. And in the red zone, I think he's going to be targeting Griffin and Herndon all day, every week, you know, uh, coming up in the, in, the, in the 2020 season. Yeah, that's all we can hope for. Now, we'll get this out of the way real quick, talking about special teams, because now we know, oh. we know, the Le- we have the LeBron James of punting has joined the team. Uh, Brandon yeah. Mann, the, great, the greatest punter in the history of mankind, the man with the golden leg. The Jets have taken out two insurance policies on his hamstrings, I've heard, to protect him <laughs> in case anything happens. But Meyer, I think Meyer's going to— This is what I want to ask you guys. Do you think Kurt Meyer is the one first kicker to make, like, a couple of 60-yard field goals in a season? I've got the number. And he hit two, one 60-yarder, and then the next week hit a 60-yarder. It was the first time ever. So his like long range kicks are ridiculous, Brett Meyer. Short intermediate kicks are terrible. He actually is one of the most least accurate kickers in the league. And guess who was ahead of him? Sam Thicket from Stop Accurate. Sam. Yes, yes. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Son, Sam Thicket was ahead. From from uh, short to intermediate kicks, right? This is like less than forty five yards. Meyer was the least accurate kicker in the NFL, and Sam Ficken actually hit more kicks than he did. So <laughs> now, now his field, now his, wow. I know, I know. <laughs> so his, his extra points are legit. He's good on extra points. So I was gonna ask you guys, who do you think is gonna win the kicking, Meyer? Or I have to hope that we have another like third entry that we don't even know of right now that's gonna actually win because they're both still. Happy <laughs> Ireland's gonna come up. Yeah, Ficken was. I mean, last year Ficken had some wild kicks. <laughs> I know he missed. He missed like ten kicks, but some of the kicks. For instance, if I went out and tried to kick a field goal and miss, it'd be like a highlight reel. Like I probably hurt myself and the ball would go all the way to the left. Some of his kicks were like, bro, what? You almost hit a cheerleader in the head. Um, and that's and when you're a professional football team, that shouldn't happen. But Meyer too, man, he has a leg, but Mike, he's not active. And that's not no. something to count on. And if we're going to have, and when you have Adam Gase as your coach, um, you have drives stalling out all the time. When you have a coach like Gase, they said he's ran the ball five times within the 10-yard line in the past three years. That equals out to a lot of field goals. Because, you know, because Sam, uh, at least his first couple years, kind of was pretty inaccurate. So, I don't know. I, don't, I have no guess who's going to win. I have no idea. All I know is that at least now we do have a, and they don't come up very often, like once every 10 years, there's some punter that can actually flip the field that's that good. Man seems like he's one of those guys, which is cool. We'll see what happens. He could be a complete scrub. Remember a couple years ago, Mike, who was that kicker, the Spanish kicker that the Bucks took in the second round? Oh. Roberto oh, Aguayo. That's that yeah. yes. That's yes. it. Yes. <laughs> Ah, he went, he became the Spanish Ray Finkel. Um, yes. Like, like, Finkel. Yeah, Ramondo Finkel, exactly. Real quick. <laughs> I don't know what happened with him. But that he's guy, that was like. Door. He's with yeah, that was now. Yeah, he's, he's a kicking instructor down in Los Huevos now. Uh, yeah, but that's, special teams, guys, there's a lot to be figured out there. Now, the last two groups we're going to get to, QB, obviously, guys, we know what's going to go on here. We know what's going on. We got the golden child, Samuel sitting there behind center hopefully this year gets a little protection we don't even have to talk about him but behind him very interesting now we have joe flacco on the squad wow mike your favorite quarterback ever we drafted james morgan he's more of a project guy that's going to probably run the scout team but who knows? You do never know what those type of guys do. He was a pretty heady quarterback. But the backup being Joe Flacco. Now, we made a lot of jokes about Flacco in the past um, on the podcast about his lack of charisma. All, all these different things, you know. But all jokes aside, last year, 
when we when Sam went down and uh, you know you got the mono and we had to put out Falk there for three games, he didn't throw one touchdown. We did not have a passing touchdown. We had no now I know Simeon got his legs snapped, right? And that's why this Jabroni was in there to begin with. But we had no plan B. I know everyone thought maybe Simeon's like a real Oh Simeon, we got Simeon, he's a real backup. Me and Michael like, no. No, this guy's not a, this guy he's struck. He he's a he was a six round pick that played good for a few games, I get it, but at least Joe Flacco, if, if God forbid something happened and you had to hand the keys to him for a game, two games, he had to play a second half or something. He's an actual quarterback that's competent backup, and I would say compare you know, he's one of the better backups. I know Winston's a backup now, probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league now. I agree. I agree with you. And I think that Joe Flacco is gonna be decent, you know, as if he's healthy, I think that he's gonna be one of the better backups in the league. And if Sam gets hurt again or gets sick or gets COVID, God forbid he gets COVID, we'll have uh, Mr. Flacco there to help us. Don't you wish that into existence, bro? Stop. I, I, I'm scared. Listen, oh, listen, I'm scared. Listen, I'm scared. Do you think I want that? Oh, my goodness. Because you, you know Sam was at the Jersey Shore last year just making out with some six on the boardwalk, got mono, oh ruined the entire season, <laughs> and now you're throwing COVID out to the Knicks. I don't want to hear I that. mean, what? when he got mono, it was like nobody believed it. Everybody's fake. Phil, what were you doing like when you found out that he had mono? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I got to be honest with you. When those three games, when, you know, after Simeon, like you said, got his leg snapped and we put Falk in there, that was probably some of the hardest games to watch because uh, we could not put up a goddamn point if we tried. Oh, my God. And, the, the Eagle game? Oh, my God. I, I have uh, that was so bad. <laughs> without a doubt. And, you know, Joe Flacco may be, you know, a bland, boring guy, but you got to remember the guy did win a Super Bowl. That's got to, you know, yeah. That's got to mean yeah. something. So if, you know, like you said, God forbid something happens to Sam and we won't wish that into existence. But if something did, he he's someone you can give the ball to and have some hope that, you know, we're not going to go three games without a touchdown. Right. Yeah, that's true, man. I mean, that's true. And that was that was tough right. last year, though. That three game stretch was just so bad. You know, and we didn't it really set us back because. If you if you have if you have three games like that where you basically do absolutely nothing on offense by the end of the year your offensive stats look so bad because it's like you only played 13 games you know basically because there was three games where there's one game we had 150 yards like of offense the whole game I mean, that might have been the Eagles. I mean Keith if you're going back in our history as Jet fans I can't think of a worse stretch of Jet football like even Brooks Bollinger I'm talking Rich Kotite with Neil O'Donnell. Yeah. Okay, I'm going back, okay? I don't remember a stretch that bad in my life. Yeah, I know, I know. Even Geno Smith was out there, and, like, they'd get, like, 10 points. Something would, Somehow they'd stumble into a touchdown, you know, like, one way or the other. But that was depressing. But getting to something that's not depressing, now the, the new and improved, for us at least, you know, contextually, the offensive line, which yeah. is a lot, a lot of talent's been added to the line. They held on to Brian Winter, which is a little surprising just because of the salary cap tag. But considering the amount of money they have still, which is like around $20, $25 million or whatever it might be, um, he's someone they could hold on to. There's no reason to let him go if, if, you, if you need to want the flexibility, if you want to keep a lot of depth on the offensive line, which we haven't had. Forget about depth. We haven't had two guys that are good playing the offensive line at the same time in six or seven years. So when you have a guy like McGovern in there, you know, Brian Winters, we know he's not great, but he's been solid in the past. 
Adoga, the jury's still out on him, but he's not that bad. George Font uh, with Seattle when he was in there, always a guy to have in line, good flexibility with him. And then we have Mount Becton, the monstrosity that we drafted in the first round. Over there, uh, probably, Mike, you know, I, I think he'll be the left tackle. That's why they took him to be the left tackle. I mean, he'll probably start out there when the year starts. Even Cameron Clark is solid. Jonathan Harrison solid as a backup. Greg Van Rotten um, is, is solid. So we have actual depth on the offensive line. Now, none of these guys, McGovern's, McGovern's pretty legit. I know none of these guys stand out. None of these guys are as big-time pro bowlers. But the thing is, and I've said this a million times, I'm going to say one more time. If you have the worst offensive line in the league like the Jets, and you just jump up to 16, right? If you just go from the worst to just average, that is like a massive improvement, and that changes everything yep. for Sam. If Sam just has the average amount of time to get the job done, I think he can be successful. He's never had it in his career, but I think with the cast of characters that we have now, Alex Lewis, I didn't mention him either. He's probably going to start, uh, play good. as the, He, he kind of got, as the year went on, his play... Went down a little bit last year, Mike. We said the first 10 games, he was probably our best offensive lineman, Lewis. I think we got enough talent this year to protect Sam, to at least give him a shot to see what he could do instead of him being under duress every single game. I mean, just the addition of Connor McGovern, who's a top 10 center, okay, and his cadences and his synchronicity with the line, him alone is going to bring tremendous value compared to the crap we've been dealing with for the past two seasons, three seasons. And us Jet fans are spoiled with center, but the fact that we had Nick Mangold and Kevin Mawai for the past like two, three decades, we've and had then, all and the same talent. And then right? Spencer Long. And then we had Spencer Long, who was fumbling and bumbling <laughs> all over the place. I mean, it has been an absolute train wreck since we've had Sam. So now we have a decent center in there, and Mount Beckton, my goodness, he has his own address. He has his own gravitational like forces i mean he's so damn big you know what i'm saying i mean you literally have to orbit him to get around him he just sits there on that left side and by alone with his presence he's going to be able to protect sam way better than sam has ever been protected probably uh, uh yeah um, for a while now i know that uh we lost who was our left tackle why am i Beecham. Beecham. yeah kevin Beecham. Mm. yeah so Kevin Beecham was a decent left tackle. I think that Becton, as a rookie, will just be decent. At, at least, the floor. At least he'll be decent, okay? Um, I know that there's probably some growing pains. I understand that. But just his size and athleticism alone, I think, will do enough to really break a positive impact. So I really like the offensive line and what Greg, uh, what our general manager has done for our offensive line. I think it's an average offensive line. Um, and that is a much better offensive line than it was last year. Cameron Clark's a great addition. Harrison is great depth. Van Roten, Chuma Doga hopefully takes a step. So we'll see what's going on there. What do you, Phil? What are your thoughts of the offensive line? I definitely think, like for the first time in a long time, like you said, we definitely have um, some depth, which is good to work with because you know we've been, you know, trying to piece together a line, and it's just you know it hasn't been working. And I do, you know, my. Um, you know, my big pickup in my mind, I really like the pickup of McGovern because, you know, he played 31 games for the Broncos, 2018, 2019. Uh, the guy didn't commit a single penalty in any game that he played. He had no fumbles and um, uh, he helped, you know, Philip Lindsay, you know, had a thousand yard season last year. Yep. So I think he's a big contribution to that. And, you know, I love the draft pick of um, Mackay Becton. I mean, if he can hold up 
his end of the line, the way that couch he was sitting on during the draft held him up, I think we're going to be in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is just, he's a walking eclipse. Like, Makai oh, Beckett's so big, if they if they start to play and just doesn't even move, it's hard to get around him. You know, that's how big yeah. he is. going to take that second. He's just so enormous. So I'm so excited, man, for Sam to actually be maybe have a little pocket, a little safety in there. Like, he's a baby in the womb, just protected for once. Goes back in the pocket. He's not getting clobbered. So all the games, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a crazy stat, Phil. Me and Mike mentioned everyone. Sam has 28 interceptions in his career. He has 14 of the 28 interceptions in four games. I did hear that on your last episode, yes. Which, which is like, when you think about it's, it, your mind, you're like, how is that even possible? And then you look at the games, and it was the games versus the Pats, as you know, when he's pressured. Mm-hmm. It's every, every game we've all watched where we're, we were just like, oh my God, this kid's going to get killed. If those are the games. Now, he didn't play great. He didn't overcome it. I understand that, but he had no protection. And then you go to the rest of the games where he's had adequate or at least not at least being assaulted every time he drops back. Sam's pretty good. And I think this year that we're going to see a lot more of that, that we're going to see the mistake-prone Sam. And going into year three, that's what I hope, man, because it's a big year for Sam, big year for the Jets. And we know it's all on the line here for Adam Gase. I know he has a relationship with, with Douglas, but I don't see I don't see any real scenarios with him being the coach next year, barring the Jets make some run and make the playoffs with Adam Gase. I, I, I wanted to... I wanted to ask before before we sign off. I just want to ask Wookie, Wookie, yes. would you rather have Andrew Thomas or Makai Becton? I wanted Becton. I'm not gonna lie, just because of his sheer size. And- I can't believe it. You're not the you're. I have a friend that's a Browns fan, and he wanted Becton too. And I'm kind of like, dude, like, and I, me and Keith, you and I talk. I wanted Andrew Thomas because I thought he was poor. Why do you guys all want Becton, or why was he so? Was it just because he's the biggest cat ever? Is that the reason what's so attractive about him? I don't understand it. Because he's a freak of nature athletically on the offensive line, and you can work with that. Like, but he, but he's not like just. It's not like he has no idea what he's doing. Raw talent, but you can work with him. That that guy could be a perennial Pro Bowler. And if you guys go back and listen, we did predict it. I knew the Jets were going to take Makai back, and it all came true. Makai, welcome to the Jets. Hope you can help Sam out next year. Keep that blonde side nice and clean. And this was a great show, guys. This was awesome. Yep. Uh, Phil, tremendous job, bro. The Filthy uh, Podcast. The Filthy Podcast must be on fire every week if you just bring the heat like you did tonight. So thank Absolutely. you so much, bro. I appreciate and you guys having me on. Phil, so if anyone does want to get at you, listen to what you've got going on, support you in any way, shape, or form, where can they do that? Uh, you guys can listen to the Filthy Podcast. We are currently posted on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, and pretty much anywhere else you can get your podcast. All our episodes, uncut, unedited, from start to finish. Talk about a little bit of everything, life, current events, sports, uh, you know, resell. We're, we're big Gary V people. You know, Gary V wants to own the Jets. We're big Gary V people. We always nice. talk about him. Um, but yeah, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and that's the main places you catch the Filthy Podcast. Awesome, dude. And Mike, when it comes to Ain't Easy Being Green, let them know what's up. Hey. We're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundClouds, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, all the different platforms that Phil just talked about. You follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. So that's it for this week, guys. On behalf of the number one Jet fan of the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, the big, stinking, Wookiee Nicholas Cronk, Phil Tarnacki from the Filthy Podcast. My name is Keith Farrell. We'll get at you next week, everybody. Peace out.